This is Karen Griffin introducing the Space to Be podcast on people, performance, leadership, and love. Conversations with leaders, practitioners, experts, and authors about the world of work in the 21st century. I'm delighted to introduce Bill Critchley, joining us today from London to talk about authenticity. Bill is an organization psychologist specializing in top team development, executive coaching, and complex change. Prior to recently setting up his own business, he was a member of the leadership team of Ashridge Consulting and worked for Ashridge Business School for many years. He was the founder of the Ashridge MSc and the Ashridge Professional Doctorate in Organization Consulting. He also co-founded the Ashridge Programme in Coaching for Organisational Consultants and was a visiting professor at Middlesex University. Welcome, Bill. It's wonderful to have someone with your experience, wisdom and gravitas to talk on our podcast today. Well, I'm very pleased to be asked and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So, Bill, you were one of my previous supervisors and I recalled you having some specific and strong views about authenticity and given it's a word that is increasingly referenced when people are talking about leadership I thought it might be topical and useful for a wider audience to hear these views. Yes I I agree um it, it I it did find it irritating me because it's used rather a lot uh, and has become a kind of trope, authentic leadership. And you know, the question is, what do we actually mean by that? And uh, inclusive leadership is another trope. And I think it's too easy to bandy about these easy slogans without thinking about what they really mean in practice. Fantastic. So what is the crux of your concern about how authenticity is spoken about? Well, uh, I think it tends to assume that there is one self which nestles inside us like a kind of homunculus somewhere in our bodies, which we can either express honestly or in some way dissemble for some manipulative purpose. Um, but there's a problem with that. The, the idea of a self is really a psychological uh construction and it's now become fairly widely accepted in certainly in psychological circles that our sense of self emerges over time in the ongoing process of relating in other words it's relational it doesn't exist anywhere as a thing it's a story we tell ourselves about who we are and how we are and it's an emergent sense of who we are so there's no fixed version of ourselves uh we show up and this is the crux of the matter. We show up in different ways according uh, to the context and uh, who we are relating to. So different contexts evoke different aspects of ourselves. Uh, so we are context dependent. It's quite a paradoxical notion, uh, if you think about it, being different in each circumstances, but still being authentic. So I wonder what that means. That's kind of what we're exploring. So I think it'll be interesting uh, to consider, for example, whether I am being authentic in this conversation or whether you are and what would inauthentic look like. Yeah. Now, I can only speak for myself, but you see, you've introduced me as having some expertise in this topic. 
So I have marshaled my thoughts. Uh, I even have a few notes. Uh, I'm not being entirely spontaneous. Is that authentic? Just because I'm a little prepared, I still feel authentic. You're getting my thoughts and my learning, which, of course, is an integration of what I've learned from others. But I think if I was simply spouting received wisdom, that might feel inauthentic. So I think I am being the author of my own thoughts, feelings and responses, which is how I have come to think about authenticity, being the author of my own responses. So I'm res more or less responding to you with a little bit of uh, preparation, as opposed to faking it uh, or, or pleasing others or being manipulative. But I was just thinking about this. Uh, in my early life, I was an amateur actor, did a lot of amateur acting. So I've kind of learned some skills of how you present. <clears throat> and some people might argue, well, that's not very authentic because, you know, you're bringing skills in. But you see, uh, they're skills I've learned and I'm using them in this context because this is what you're asking me to do to marshal uh, my thoughts. So I think I'm, I feel I'm being authentic, but it'll be interesting what you what you feel. Uh, but the, the final word I want to make is that the problem, I think, is that the notion of authenticity has become an ideology mm. about some kind of good behaviour. So I think that's what people mean. But if you think about it, when, yeah, for example, a leader is short-tempered, um, demanding, people feel a bit put down by him or her, uh, he's being just as authentic as someone who appears to be listening to us and ex respecting our opinions and our responses. So I think that's one of my problems. It's got synonymous with some kind of ill-defined good behaviour. Yeah. So those are my thoughts about some of the problems of authenticity. Yeah, and really good thoughts. And perhaps we can just hang out a little bit there. So in, in, in response to your question, I feel very authentic sat here with you. That's probably because we're on podcast 27. And if I was sat here on podcast one or two with you, I, I would perhaps feel a little bit less authentic, whereas I'm feeling quite relaxed. I'm used well, to no, but, but, uh, Interesting. Why would it be less authentic? You'd be feeling a bit nervous. Yes. And you'd be trying to be as skilled as you can be. Why is that inauthentic? I don't think there's anything inauthentic. You're being who you are in that moment, which is feeling a bit nervous because this is my first time. How yeah. you might feel on a first date. For example, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, let's not go back. Can you remember that far back? Uh, let's move on swiftly. Um, so that's a good point. So, 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 we, but if I was on um, podcast one or two and I was pretending to be an expert but feeling nervous and not admitting to my nervousness, then perhaps I was being inauthentic. Whereas if I was just saying, "Oh, this is this is the first or second time I've done this," so feeling a little bit or, or nervous this morning, then that that's kind of me being vulnerable and honest in the moment and would, would kind of overcome any perception of me being inauthentic. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point, actually. Um, I do think um, when people allow themselves to be a little bit vulnerable, whether as leaders or whether they're uh, making podcasts, and by vulnerable, it doesn't mean that I'm about to collapse in tears. It simply means I'm willing to admit uh, that uh, I'm feeling a bit nervous about this and I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go and I'm not sure I've absolutely got the answers. That's particularly important for leaders, I think, to admit, look, I may not have the answer here, but if we all get together and talk about it, I know we'll come up with something. So I think that kind of admitting not knowing 
which is a, a leadership version of vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, certainly, well, A, I think it probably is authentic, and certainly it allows people to feel this is a real person. I think that's an important notion. This is a real person I've got in front of me who's saying what they really think and feel rather than some entirely contrived version that they put on for us. Liking it. Thank you, Bill. That's a really useful uh, meandering around the subject. So it brings me now on to the thought about consistency, because in business life, uh, often in leadership circles, consistency is a value or uh, that, that is that is within uh, an organizational framework and an expectation of leaders. So given we're saying uh, that there perhaps is no one authentic self, how might leaders be consistent in that context? Well, I'll answer that question, but for the sake of authenticity, I object to the notion of meandering. I thought we were being quite concise and thoughtful <laughs> about it. <laughs> Thank so, you. Uh, I'm, not intending, I'm not intending to meander. <laughs> so, yeah, consistency is very interesting, isn't it? Uh, you see, I think, as I said before, leaders will show up differently in different situations, won't they? So if the leader is being asked to launch the, the company's latest set of values, that's a very different context from a, a performance conversation or sitting with a small group of colleagues much more informally talking about some particular issue that we all have to get our heads around. So, as I said before, behaviour and how we show up is context-dependent. So, um, so consistently what? I mean, that is the question. I don't think they can be consistently one thing. And that leads me on to say something about what I think people are looking for in a leader is someone they can trust not to be manipulative. So if if they always feel I can trust this person not to be manipulative, not to dissemble, uh, to include them in some way in deciding how we implement this or how we do that, to be reasonably transparent. I'm saying reasonably because sometimes leaders can't say everything because they are bound by confidentiality, but that doesn't make them inauthentic. Um but I'm not sure that these kind of simple notions of what people, no, sorry, I'm not sure whether what people really want from leaders is covered by the simple notion of authenticity. That, that's all. I think it's become a bit of a catch-all for yeah. some notion of what I what someone thinks is good leadership. Yes. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense, and, it, and it's very clear, and, it, and I'm just, hopefully it will be inviting listeners to think about how they use the word and um, whether or not, you know, in some ways, it's a bit of a um, a lazy way out, isn't it? We want authentic leadership. Well, let's actually dig into what we mean by that. So it, it takes a bit more time to articulate. And I hope it will invite uh, whoever listens to this to think about the opposite of authentic. So how often do they feel inauthentic? And what's happening when they feel inauthentic? So my guess is they're probably concealing how they're feeling and their real thoughts from people. They're probably just putting on an act. They're probably parroting the company line. So that maybe is when they feel inauthentic, when there's nothing of them in there. Yeah. Uh, and I meant to say, I don't know whether I did say it, it seems to me that auth authenticity, its root is in authorship, isn't it, I think? It's when we feel that we are being the author 
of what we're saying, what we're feeling, the author of our own response is that we feel authentic. If we feel we're faking it or putting on a show, that's when we start to feel probably not authentic. Yes. So accepting this paradoxical relational nature of authenticity, what is it that leaders might fo- want to focus on instead as they seek to improve their impact? Uh, well, uh, the first thing I would say, which is a bit of a, a, a trope in itself, um, because it's um, something we tend to say very often, to, be, to become more self-aware. Um, and again, that's an easy thing to say, doesn't it? What, is, what does being more self-aware actually mean? And I think it's quite difficult because it means leaders probably do need to get some feedback from people about how I come across, how I'm experienced. So um, becoming more self-aware for me means starting to understand your own patterns uh, and by patterns i mean so what often triggers you when you for example as a leader do you find yourself triggered into being authoritarian when you're challenged do you find yourself triggered into shouting at people when you're under stress to become aware of those sort of patterns and the kind of triggers and to pay more attention to how people are impacted and you can only find that out by asking them and incidentally, I don't think the standard 360 feedback gives you that. Uh, I think one of the problems with 360 is that it's now been taken over by HR and turned into a thing, a, 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 an elaborate questionnaire. Real 360 is when you sit down with somebody who you work with and say, can you tell me how you experienced me? What what, are, what do you appreciate about me? But what do you think I should do differently? How do I come across? That's what real 360 should be about. And leaders, frankly... Don't do enough of that. Um, I don't know whether we've got time for this, but many years ago... Oh, yeah, ago, I think we have. Yeah, this is getting really exciting now, Bill. <laughs> well, many years ago, um, when I was at Ashridge, we were running a leadership programme for Marks and Spencers. I can say that because it was years ago. And we were very pleased with ourselves because we had got a, all, all kinds of pyrotechnics, lovely exercises. But at the start of this programme, we asked people the leaders, before they came on the programme, to go and gather some feedback from five or six people, sit down with them and just ask them how you experienced me. And we that was for us preparation. And we thought we were going to, the main programme, as I say, consisted in all the clever things we were doing. And the, the feedback we got from people when they said, well, what did you really, how did you experience this programme? What did you really like, really like? They almost all said, it was that preparation of having to go and ask people. That was by far and away the most powerful thing that we did. Uh, it's so rarely done. Leaders, have, they don't have time. And they're also a bit scared of losing face or something like that. So I think they don't find out enough about how they are impacting. And if you consider that all organisations are social processes, they're not things yeah, they reliant on the quality of conversation, the quality of relating. Leaders don't pay enough attention to how they engage in these processes of relating, which are core to organisational life and is the core currency of leadership. Yeah, very powerful. And and back to the three sixty thing. It's the process if if and obviously you know we we've, we've all used them in the past, and they I suppose they have a place where. There's almost no or very little trust or in the organisation um, uh, to be able to be honest around yeah. Um, yeah. how somebody's impacting them. 
and therefore it's a safe way if there's no name on it to provide that sort of feedback yeah. but i suppose that that reality that stark reality is in itself something to reflect deeply on if you are truly wanting to change trust and leadership impact in the organization so what a, a good good side debate well and also uh, I was just remembering that a colleague, some colleagues of mine at Ashridge have done a lot of work and written a book on speaking truth to power. Yes, great book. Megan. And, uh, oh, you know that book, do you? Megan yeah. and Higgins. Yeah, okay. And I've often thought, yes, that's a great topic. But again, it's become a bit of an ideology that we should speak truth to power. And, but people don't. And, and they don't because they're keen on keeping their jobs. <laughs> And we just have to acknowledge that reality. Yes. They're keen on getting on. They're not going to say something to their boss that might impact negatively on their progress to the top or their reputation. So it's too easy to dismiss this kind of underlying, fairly natural fearfulness people have about saying difficult things to their boss. That's that's why it's hard for leaders to get this kind of authentic feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so well, we've we've uh, uh, deviated a little, but all very rich and uh, important, I think, to the conversation. So, you've worked with and supported the growth of leaders for many years, Bill, and you continue to do so. You are a, you are an, an esteemed executive coach. Are there any other leadership notions other than authenticity that irritate you? Uh, well. There are a few ways we we think about leadership. So the, the whole notion of leadership as hero, I think, is really problematic. Um, and whenever I see in, a, in a, a set of leadership competencies that inspiring leadership is what is required, uh, I kind of breathe a sigh because that's the last thing we want. Inspiring in a, in a sense, puts it all down to the leader to somehow or other inspire everyone. And I think it it devalues the real role of leaders, which is to um, engage others. Uh, and I think that's one of the, um, what is meant by inclusive leadership. It's the leader letting go of this very individual notion, it's all up to me to know what to do. It's actually my job to mobilise the collective intelligence in the organisation. So my job is about mobilising others, not inspiring them, but engaging them and making them feel part and allowing them to express their intelligence and experience. That, that's far more important than um, the notion of inspiring. And the whole notion of a leader as some kind of master planner or strategist, again, I think this kind of leadership as leader as expert is very problematic. And those kind of notions irritate me. Yeah. I probably could go on, but uh, I don't want to, <laughs> don't, I don't want to get negative. <laughs> well, both of those, I mean, you know, is there any such thing as an expert? I know I introduced you a little bit in that way. Well, I didn't describe you as an expert, but. Um, well, well, you, you set know. me up a little bit that way, which is why I was raised a question about, so how authentic yeah. is it able to me once you set me up as some kind of expert? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be a better way to, um, to, to build on that then? So what would be a better way of introducing somebody who, has a set of knowledge and experience and wisdom that is very different and very useful. There isn't a better way. 
Uh, I, what I'm inviting you to do is to know, as some, one of my colleagues used to say, first steps are fateful. So just inviting the way you set me up. Uh, I don't mean set me up in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. Evoking in me a certain kind of response. There's nothing wrong with how you're setting up. So, so long as we acknowledge that you influence me in how I show up. And in this case, I, I'm not suggesting you change it at all. But you create a context and I respond to that context. Love it. We're actually doing some live, uh, all sorts of things here. We're doing some live supervision potentially, and we and maybe we are role modelling authenticity. Well, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. yeah, and not being too precious about it. No. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. So finally, what is your thinking invitation to leaders listening to this podcast? Well, I I hope it will invite you to think about. And I love this phrase, how you show up in different contexts. So what do different contexts evoke in you? Um, and I'd, I mentioned earlier that when you're making a presentation, that will evoke one aspect of you. When you're doing a performance interview, that will evoke another. And just be pay some attention to what these different contexts evoke in you. And as I said earlier, think about... Am I being authentic or am I not? Am I simply parroting something I've been told to do? Or is this me offering my own responses and thoughts? Uh, and I'd also invite you to think about how much time you really do devote to mobilising the collective intelligence of those who work for you, rather than getting bogged down in tasks and emails, getting your sleeves too rolled up, getting your hands too dirty when you should be, in a sense, engaging others in doing some of that stuff. I think too many leaders get stressed because they take too much upon themselves and they're not often, they don't trust their own teams enough to really mobilise them and engage them and bring them in. That's what I think. Inclusive leadership, I think, is about uh, um, inviting others in uh, to help you with your decision-making, to help you think about how to implement things. I had a boss at Ashridge Consulting called Alex Knight, who he did one thing. He did a lot of things well. He did one thing brilliantly. He used to say, we've got a serious issue here, which, for example, we're not making enough money. Now, I don't have the answer, but what I do know is we're all experienced enough and intelligent enough. If we get together, we're going to solve this. We can solve this problem. And what I liked about that is, first of all, he wasn't going to leap out of his bath one morning and come in with the answer and impose it on us. Secondly, that it was the we consultants. I knew my opinion was going to be included and validated. And it was a marvellous example of inclusive leadership. He was articulating the issue that we have to address. But then he was saying, and we are going to solve that together. I thought that was brilliant. I felt really included and involved in that. Yes. And I'm guessing. I hope he listened to this podcast because I probably <laughs> never said that to him. That's great feedback, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. That's lovely. Um. Well, thank you, Bill. Um, I think your chat today has been, uh, as as expected, um, highly informative and humorous uh, in equal measure. Um, so I just want to say thank you for coming on and sh sharing your insights uh, based on many, many years of experience on this very important topic. Well, I've certainly enjoyed it as I expected to. Thank you. Thank you.